All right, all right, all right. How many love Jesus today, Emmanuel? You love him? Big shout out to all of our locations, Lakeville, Maple Grove, oh my goodness, Spring Lake Park, Online, and Elk River. We love you too. How many love Elk River? Hey, I love Elk River too. Hey, I just want to just mention that next week, Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity for people from all of our locations. We're going to have a worship night in Spring Lake Park. It's an invitation to every one of you. And I'm just believing God to move. We don't even have a, it's not a show. We're just going to come and meet together. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit pours out blessing and there's signs and wonders and miracles and maybe repentance. Who knows what God wants to do, but I want to invite you next Sunday night. So if you can put it on your calendar. There's nothing better to do than to be in the presence of God. Amen? We're in week number two of our Redwood Faith series. And uh, just by review, this last week, we talked about these great redwood trees that grow hundreds of feet tall and live to be hundreds of years. And what is the secret to their success, that longevity? Really, it's about the root system, and the roots are interconnected, and it's the strength of the forest. And we're using that metaphor as a, a metaphor of our relationship to other believers in the church. And of course, this is how God sees the church as being connected. And in a disconnected world, you can be connected and you need to be connected. And of course, we talked about how we need to be rooted and we all have roots. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you've got some roots. <laughs> And I'm not talking about your hair or whatever's up there for your roots, but I'm saying we all have spiritual roots, of course, and we need to stretch our roots towards God. So week number two, we of course, uh, we've been going along with the participant guide. If you didn't get one of these, make sure you get one later. Challenging everybody in the church to uh, get in involved with a group, go through the questions, do it with someone else. Don't do this alone. This is not a personal Bible study. We're doing this with each other. And so I encourage you to grab it. It's a really big deal. Today, the title of the message is Soil Care, First Things First. First Things First. If you turn in your Bibles or it's your Emmanuel MN app, where our notes are and the scripture is, to Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to highlight a portion, then I'll read from the text in just a moment. But Jesus tells a story, and he tells a story where he says there's a farmer, and the farmer goes out, and he throws some seed around. He says some fell on a footpath, uh, and the birds came and ate them, and some fell on the shallow soil uh, and on rock, and since they didn't have roots, they died. Dying is a bad thing, by the way, in this story. And then other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked the tender plants out, but still others fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And Jesus says, after he tells this story, let anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. How many want to listen and understand? Okay, so this is the big deal. Jesus is not just telling a story, but he wants you to listen and he wants you to understand. Turn to the person and say, you need to listen up. <laughs> In verse 18, Jesus explains the verses. So now we're going to dive into the text. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to that. It says this. This is what Jesus does as an explanation. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. 
And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted where? In their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. We'll stop there. I'll pick up the next verse in a moment. But Jesus says that there are reasons the seed won't succeed. And he gives those reasons, okay? He talks about a footpath. They hear, but they don't go any further. Let me just say this. If all you do is hear words, my preaching, read a word, whatever it is, but it goes no further, you are vulnerable. Jesus says, he talks about in the story, that a bird came and plucked the seed away. But in the explanation, he says it's the enemy that does it. And the devil doesn't play fair. True? He comes after you and he doesn't stop. He goes after your family. He goes after your friendships. He wants to rob you of everything good that God wants to give you. Okay? So you got to go further. Everybody said, take it further. All right? So then he says that there's a rocky soil. The rocky soil starts with joy, but because they don't grow deep roots, as soon as the difficulty comes, they quit. They don't last long. So he's talking about, hey, listen, you can have a great salvation experience. You can have a great moment in your relationship with God. But if you don't develop deeper roots, then when the winds come and the sun comes and the storms come, it'll blow you away. You won't last. So it's not enough to know it, experience it, but you got to find a way for your roots to grow connected to something that will withstand the storms of life. And then he says the, there's thorns or the weeds. And the weeds is a person where they hear God's word, but it is crowded out by worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the result is no fruit. So those are just people that things going on in life choke it out. And you and I have to learn to become good gardeners to pull the weeds out. You can't just let them grow because it will choke it out. You got to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. If all you're doing is thinking about all the bad things going on and that, and that fills up your social media news feed and that's all you can think about, those weeds are going to grow and it's going to choke your faith. So you got to weed it out. You got to deal with it. Jesus said to people that it don't, it chokes out the kingdom of God in them and they don't experience the life that is possible. Now, I want you to consider all of those things are the negative things. I could preach an entire series on just this particular text. But for today, I don't want to focus on the seeds that don't grow. I want to focus on the seed that succeeds. Come on, somebody. Because that's what's an opportunity for all of us. In verse 23, Jesus goes on in his explanation and he says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planned. He says, those that truly hear and understand God's word. To hear is a term of connection and engagement. 
It's receiving a signal. It's pulling it in. It's a part of who you are. You get it. You listen. You hear the words. But understanding takes it a step further. It's receiving the information, processing it, and then experiencing it. So it's not just getting the facts. It's also putting it into action. Listen, there are opportunities for all of us, if we do this, that there'll be great return in our life, in our relationships, in our friendships. There's so much available. Jesus is offering this as the kingdom of God as a possibility for us. But it requires leaning in and going beyond just hearing and learning to engage with it so we understand it. That kind of seed produces a harvest beyond whatever we started with. And Jesus says that it is possible to grow and succeed if the seed falls into good soil. Now let's focus on what it will take for our spiritual lives to grow today. Uh, several years ago at the house we live in, Jody and I have lived in the same house since 2002. We moved in there when I was still a youth pastor at Emmanuel. And uh, we got to plant all of our own trees. And we took trees from a local nursery and we planted them in there and, uh, and we got them in the ground and then we watered them. We did what we, were, we thought we were supposed to do. And then a few years later, um, I started noticing that the leaves on two of the three big trees that we had planted were beginning to wither a little bit. They had pieces taken out of it, and there were holes in the leaves, and some of them were coloring, and it looked like they might be dying. And I was freaking out because I don't know how to fix a tree. Like, I don't have a green thumb. I don't have anything in me that understands how to take care of plants. Right? So, uh, so I didn't know what to do. So what I did is I went down to our local uh, Malberg's Garden Center and Greenhouse, and I waited for an expert. And I said, this is what, well, I brought some leaves with me. I said, this is what's going on with my leaves on our tree. What do I do? I don't want them to die. Okay? And uh, I didn't say it like that, by the way, but I was just feeling that way. I didn't want them to die. So I'm asking an expert. And I look at this person, and they say, hey, are Okay, the problem isn't with the leaves. The problem is under the ground with the, the root system and the nutrients that the tree is receiving. So their advice was that I needed to apply some of this. I got some with me today because I do this every year now. Uh, I needed to apply some healthy tree and shrub protectant feed. And I was like, wow, so how do you do that? Well, how many of you know... Well, now I have to use my cheaters to read anything small in the back of the instructions. But I'd pull it out and I would look at all the instructions and it says, this is how you do it. You have to measure the trunk of the size of the trunk of the tree. And then you have to know where the drip line is on the edge or where the, the furthest out branches are, where the rain comes down. And then you do a circle and you, you pour this out on there. And then you wait weeks and weeks and weeks and a few months, in fact, before it actually makes its way into the root system, and then eventually you'll see the tree restored to health. And sure enough, guess what? It worked. It was so cool just to watch how it worked. But the expert had told me that I needed to apply something to the root system if I wanted to see the above ground part of the tree to be in a healthy condition. And this is what I want you to consider with your own spiritual life. Those ingredients that go into that, that protect and feed, 
We have our own in the spiritual world. Good soil is required for the living plant to grow. And what you put in it determines what you get out of it. Before figuring out how to fix all the other relationships in life, all the other things that you want to fix, we need to start with the soil around our own hearts first. We can look at everything else going wrong and point the finger at everyone else, but we're never going to fix anyone else, not the person sitting next to you, not the person on the job. You're never going to fix the story by pointing the finger at other people. How many know there's three coming back to you? You got to deal with your own heart first. Everybody said, deal with your own heart first. All right. So Matthew chapter six, verse 31, Jesus says it this way. He says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows what you need, that you need them. But seek first, everybody said, seek first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is seeking him first in order of priority and in sequence. Before you do anything else, you got to seek his kingdom first. So what comes first in soil care? What comes first in soil care? Let me give you the first thing. Hearing and understanding the word of God. Hearing and understanding the word of God. Jesus had said in, in, back in, in Matthew 13, 23, good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. Good soil comes from that, okay? This means that we have to actually read the word or hear the word and seek to understand what it means for our lives. That means that we're not just read the Bible but we read the Bible for our life. Like we are looking into it truly. And if we do that, Jesus says, our soil becomes healthy enough for our roots to take the nutrients of the soil back up above ground. So if we deal and the word of God goes into the soil of our hearts, that it will come back out in our relationships. It starts with the heart. And it somehow affects the capacity of our roots to grow. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 1, the very first book of Psalms. By the way, it's a great idea to read a few verses every day if you can. One of the things I do is I go through the Bible in One Year app, and I listen to it. And um, Some people like to read. Some people like to do both. Some people don't like to read a book, but they'll listen to a podcast, or they'll listen to something. You can listen to the Word of God. And I love what Psalm 1 says. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Isn't that powerful? The joy or there's something special that happens when we don't go in with others, but we, div- we receive from the law of the Lord. We meditate on it. You know, it matters where you get your nutrients from. It matters where you process your life. It matters. I've said for years that friends are like elevators. They can take you up or they can take you down. Facts. It is. That's the absolute fact. Because listen, who we process with determines where we get our wisdom from. 
And if we're reading the word and we're meditating, there's great joy. But we aren't going to get that if we hang out with those that are not following the, the Lord's way or the way of the word. We need to follow the way of the word. So how do we hear and understand? We learn and hear and understand by listening and meditating on the Bible. Delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, someone says. And listen, learning is a community activity for a biblical person. History, especially in the Old Testament, learning was a communal thing. They would talk together. They would look at the Bible and say, what does this mean? They would go through life's experience and say, what does the word say about this? I know what Google says. I know what Wikipedia says. I know what TED Talk says. I know what Harvard Business Review says. But what does the word say about this thing? And they would talk about it. And they would debate it. And there was something communal about it. It's a learning, learning the word, meditating on the word is not meant just to be alone. It's meant to be done together. And we can ask questions while we experience life with other believers. And the result of that is in verse 3 of Psalm 1. It says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves, what? Never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So the visual of that in Psalm 1 is if that we meditate on the word, we resist the, the mockers and evildoers, and we are in relationship with others, and we meditate on the word, the result will be a life that never runs out of God's strength and power. He'll always replenish whatever is lost. So what comes first in soil care? Number one, hearing and understanding the word of God. The second thing is this, the presence or the face of God. The presence or the face of God. In Numbers chapter six, listen to what God said to Moses. He said, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you what? Peace. This was known as the great priestly blessing or prayer over Israel. God instructs Moses to tell the head of the priest, Aaron, this is something you're going to do regularly. And I love hidden within this blessing that is still prayed over people to this day. In this blessing is a visual of a, a relationship that we can have with God. For it speaks of body language. Now, how many appreciate body language? There's something about body language. In fact, uh, Pastor Nathan, I want you to come up here right now. I'm gonna. I'm calling an audible in the middle of my message here today. Now, Pastor Nathan, you don't have to have a mic. Uh, for everybody to catch this, but I'd like you to tell me about your high school years. Just begin to talk about it. Oh, so I had five years in my high school experience. Okay, what, what am I communicating with my body language right now? <laughs> right, but I could tell him, I could say everything that he just told me. Went to a private school, and I can give all the facts, 
How many know God can know about you, but that doesn't mean it feels like he's listening to you. So the language of the priestly blessing or prayer was, may the Lord turn toward you. Okay, what am I, what am I communicating now? Now, for, for Nathan to feel like I'm listening to him if he started talking again, I also need to give him what? Eye contact. How many know if he's talking to me and I'm looking somewhere else, or I got my phone out, how many know he's not, still not going to feel it? So body language includes eye contact. All right. Then it says, and may the Lord shine or smile on you. And this is something really powerful because in reality, when I look at Nathan and I have good body language, he feels something. He feels like he's important. He feels wanted. All right. But if I smile, that's a different level of interest. And may God smile, be deeply interested in you and care about you. All right, go ahead and go back. Give it up for Pastor Nathan. Thanks for helping me preach today, bro. So when it says, may the Lord bless you, the word bless means to pour out whatever's inside. If I take a pitcher of iced tea and I poured it out, that's a blessing, okay? Some of you are like, it's really a blessing. You put lemonade in there and it's an Arnold Palmer. I really like that. The point is this, if the Lord is going to turn towards you and smile, may he bless you. May it not just be a distant relationship, but may you have access to everything about God. And here's the big deal. This is a really important thing. You need to know that when God looks at you, he likes you, that he's interested in you, that he wants to be with you. You know, this interest, this smile is like, the groom at the end of the aisle at a wedding. And you got all the bridesmaids and different people coming down, and he's like this. But how many know when the doors split open and the bride comes in, there's a different kind of smile on his face? <laughs> That's it. We're getting married. I can't believe this. Finally, the stress is over of <laughs> all the planning and all the other stuff, and it's just us, right? It's a deep interest. It's, a, it's, it's what I, I see and I feel when I see my grandkids. Papa! You know, that's what I hear. And I'm like, what's up? <laughs> Yesterday, Jody was out. And she came back and our grandson Milo was at our house. And, and uh, he, Jody comes in, turns the corner, and Milo looks up and sees her. And he goes, yes! <laughs> this is what the Lord does with you. This is absolutely critical. Because when you have that shine and it's deep inside and the Lord turns his face towards you and he blesses you, something powerful happens inside of you. It says you're not alone. You are wanted. And it allows you to take risks to love other people. This is why David says in Psalm 27, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. 
This is so much hope. Listen, God's plan is for the, the, his best and his ultimate plan is to have a husband and wife have children in a loving context where they love each other. The child is raised in a loving relationship and discipline. That's God's best. Sin has marred those kind of experiences. And today there are very, there are many fewer families just like that. Perhaps you come from a broken family or you didn't have somebody that loved you much like David here in Psalm 27. He said his father and his mother had rejected him, but he has the opportunity to have a different relationship with his heavenly father because he says, you didn't reject me. You received me. Listen, this is the gospel of truth. Jesus loves you. He doesn't reject you. He gave up his life for you. And he comes into the world, and David, though he was rejected by his parents, he wanted to continuously see that face of God that was interested in him. And by the way, David, even years later, still wanted to see that face when he sinned. And what happened inside of David is, when a prophet pointed out his sin, he, he confessed back up to God. He wanted to see the face of God again. And when we repent, listen, something powerful happens. God takes our sin out of our life, and then he replaces it with that loving relationship. There are still consequences for our sin, but we are safe when we're in the hands of God. Come on, somebody. That's good. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God, but God came walking and calling out, Adam, Adam. And he's still interested in only requiring us to turn to him. He turns his face towards us. And if you're wondering, how do I see the face of God? Jesus is the face of God. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus says in John 14. And then Jesus says, not only that, but come up to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is why we must pursue the presence of God, the face of God in our lives. When his presence is with us, we can handle anything. We can even handle the rejection of others when we know that we are accepted by our Father. And when we have his love and his acceptance, we won't fear the rejection of the world that is around us either. 1 John 4, 16, God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in what? Love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love drives out fear. You've got fear and anxiety in the tree of your life, and it's showing on the leaves of your soul. And people are noticing it, or maybe you just notice it yourself. You need the perfect love of God applied. <laughs> you need the face of God. You need to be able to have that true nutrient that protects and drives out those things that are insects that are trying to eat. Does that make sense to you? So for me, I'm just saying this. When we gather together, 
and, and we are in church or we are in a prayer meeting or we, we are just praying two or three together, when we worship, we aren't just going through the motions and singing songs. We are looking at the face of God. We're saying, Lord, remind me again of who I am. I'm your child. You love me with an everlasting love. Sometimes we forget. We need to have our list of gratitude, things to be thankful for, always ready. Because when we find ourselves on a downward spiral and we're away from that sense of, of contentedness and we find ourselves to be insecure and insecure people often hurt other people, shut people out. Those are the moments not to look at, at a false face on the phone, not just to, to get lost in some kind of, uh, of uh, social media that, that inoculates us. No, we need to put the phone down and lift our heads up and look at our Father and remember He loves us. That's where our strength comes from. Come on, somebody. We don't worship just so that we sound good. We worship to connect to the Father. Ha! I'm going to preach that today. Listen. What comes first in soil care? Number one was hearing and understanding the word of God. Two was the presence of God or the face of God. And then number three, the family of God. Psalm 68. God places the lonely where? In families. He places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I won't deal with the second part of that verse today. Just to know, Jesus didn't just pave a way for us to the Father. He chose for the climate and the soil conditions for growth to be his family, the church. If you're gonna grow, you need other believers. Isolation will prevent you from getting all that God has. Listen, we're imperfect people, saved by the grace of God in love of Jesus, called to grow in a relationship with each other. Love what 1 John 4, 11 says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He loves us so we can love each other. Listen, I look at the model of Jesus and I see it in his disciples. I see it in the New Testament church. There are a lot of broken people, imperfect people. How many know there's room for that in our church? How many know everybody here is not perfect? But Jesus somehow takes our stories, no matter where we're at in our discipleship development, we receive the grace of Jesus but we still got to grow and learn and figure out how, how do I get to know God more? How do I stay connected to the source? And the truth is the way God wants to do it is also through other believers. Like we need each other. And when I see you and you see me, I see another person that's saved by grace. They're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but I might be curious, why did, how did you make it through that experience? And I'm going through it right now. And right within the family of God, there's somebody that is there that can help us out. And when we see that and experience that, we're experiencing the face of God through the family of God. We're starting to look like daddy when we start expressing his love to the people that are around us. That's exactly what God has intended for us 
to do. See, I think that it's an ongoing experience that we need to not only receive God's love, but we transmit his love to the people that are around us. Every single week I come to church, I hear story after story after story of people. And we might ask the question of, like we do in Growth Track, so what do you love about Emmanuel? I like the worship, or I like the kids' ministry, or once in a while we'll hear, I kind of like that pastor who yells at us. I'll hear different stories of different reasons, but ultimately the reason you would stay in church isn't the communication from the platform, it's the people that you journey with. It's ordinary people. I like the fact that everybody's just who they are when they come to church. Come as you are, dress as you are. Vikings jerseys and everything. Come on, somebody. Oh Lord, help them right now. We just pause and intercede for the Minnesota Vikings. We just asked them to move in good way. <laughs> they might need some extra help today. Here's my point. My point is, we just got to be willing to be a part of God's plan to help somebody else out. In a few moments, I'm going to have everybody get an opportunity to pray for each other. And that may feel like a little brave for some of you, but it's not really that brave because... Your security doesn't come from being accepted by how you th think other people hear your prayer. Listen, we, got, we can pray broken prayers. I can speak broken. I stumble over my words every Sunday. If I can do it, guess what? You can do it too. And I'm just going to ask you to do that. In a few moments, you're going to be able to pray for each other. In fact, I'm going to have everybody stand up on all of our locations. This is that spot where you get to practice what I preach. And I thoroughly believe that first we got to thank Jesus for his love and his power and his forgiveness. In fact, church, if you could, just right now, just close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven. Just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Thank you, Lord, that your presence, in your presence is everything I need. Thank you, Lord, that you've turned your face towards us, that you smile at your children. And anyone, Lord, that has the lies in their head that they're, they're not special, they're overlooked, they're rejected, that there's something wrong with it. I thank you, Father, that you're bigger than the lies of the enemy or the lies of our past. I thank you, Father, that you smile on every person, that you believe in us, that you're relentless with your love, that you'll never give up on us. And we thank you, Father, that you are with us. You're near to us. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes, if you would, and I'm going to ask a question right now, and you can put your hands down, but if, if you're under the sound of my voice and you just say, I need to give my life to Jesus today, or I need to come back to Jesus, and that's you, and you, you've, never, you've never surrendered to Christ, you've never said out loud a prayer that you're surrendering to Jesus, that you're giving up control of your life, and you're yielding to God, and you're receiving the forgiveness of what Jesus did, or maybe you did a long time ago and you've walked away and you need to repent and turn back and look at God's face again. 
I want to lead you in a prayer. And if, if that's you, nobody's looking around right now, but if that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Nate. That's me. I need to, I need to come back to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray this prayer out loud and mean it from your heart. And I believe that God will hear you and everybody else in the church. You can join right in as well. Just say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin. You rose from the dead. And I know that you're alive. Today, I give up. I surrender to you. Please forgive me of my sin and make me new. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.